Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to be here tonight. Give honor to my pastor. Appreciate the opportunity to speak to you. Uh, he is right. It's sober October. And uh, ironically, as I prayed and studied for this message, or this little Bible study tonight, that I'm going to talk to us about overcoming spiritual apathy, and uh, with the emphasis on being sober-minded. And we'll begin our reading tonight in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4 through 8. Good to see my CR friends here tonight. But ye, brethren, are not in the darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet of salvation. Praise God. Well, I can speak to you tonight on mostly self-experience. If you've come to CR, you know I'm a transparent person. I'm not going to be too transparent, but there is some situations that I think can relate to some of us. And I'm going to share them with you tonight. Back home, I'm originally from Florida. Don't hold that against me. (laughs) I moved here from Tennessee, but I'm originally from Florida. There was a young man, I'll call him Tim. He uh, was a few years behind me. My brother knew him well. A couple of my friends in the church I was raised in knew him well. Uh, He he, uh, was a bright young man, full of life. He decided to take on the hobby of cave diving. Yeah. If you're not familiar with cave diving, that means put on scuba gear, attach a line to you, and go down in the dark waters of a cave that you've never been to. They explore. They look for things. They have lights. They have checklists. Tim decided one day to go out on his own. His partner was not available. His girlfriend was worried. He assured her that he was going to be okay. He gave them both the coordinates of where he was going to be, directions. The the partner of his knew where he was going to be. They had been in the cave many times. But this time, Tim took a longer lifeline. This time, he was going to go further than he had ever been. He struck out, started down the cave, came, did his exploring, and Tim went further than he'd ever gone. At the time allotted, his partner began to get worried because Tim had not checked in. His partner knew full well how much oxygen the tanks would hold, and Tim was late checking in. In panic, the girlfriend called the authorities out to the location that Tim had decided to explore this cave. Tim had not come out of the cave. As the evening began to set in and the darkness began to overtake the scenario, the scenery, they decided to call in a rescue team to go down this cave following the line that Tim had attached to himself. 
as he got as the rescue team got down there, they realized that Tim had become detached from the line after rescuing him or retrieving his body in tragedy. Questions began to arise. They wondered, how can this man, how can this young man who some would call done it for some time, this was not his first rodeo. He was, he was well versed in the things that he was supposed to do. They looked in his vehicle. He had a checklist. Are the tanks full of oxygen? Check. Do the respirator work? Check. Are the hoses intact? Check. On down the list, he checked. Everything was checked off as it was, was supposed to be. Everything was in order. But what caused Tim to drown in a cave all alone? Answers began to come as they brought his body out of the cave. Attached to his body with a tether was what they call a dive board or a slate board. That's where you can write notes down there while you're diving. Flashlight, check. Everything in order, check. As they read the dive board, he, was, he wrote a note to his mother telling her that he was sorry he was out of oxygen and that he was sorry that he caused her this pain and grief. He told her that he loved her on this dive board a note, I love you. Don't worry, I'm going to be in heaven. He was a Christian man. I'm going to see you again one day. And the explanation as to what happened was simply this. I just wanted to go a little further. I just wanted to explore a little more. And he disconnected himself from the lifeline. What causes a man to do that? An expert I mean, is he caught up in the moment? Is there things around him that and obviously the love for cave diving was what caused him to become unaware that when he disconnected that line and dropped it to the cave floor that the murky waters would camouflage it. And he was confident in himself that he could get back to that lifeline. Unfortunately, that did not happen. I wonder as I... I as I studied for this message recently, some things I had gone through in my spiritual walk with God, if I can convey them to you tonight. What would cause an apostolic man to walk into a service that God's moving in and be dulled in his senses to the fact that he walks out of the service untouched, unscathed, unmoved, and God's got a man in a pulpit preaching and reaching out to not only the lost, but at trying to edify and reproof and reprove people that say to themselves, that message is not for me. And we have all these things going on around us that would intoxicate our mind. Not sober, as the Scripture said, as one drinking wine or on drugs, but unaware of your surroundings. Come on now, I'm talking about spiritual apathy. Apathy. Apathy is absence or suppression of passion, emotion, or excitement. It's the lack of interest in our concern for things that others find moving or exciting. Why is it it's always the same group that's at the altar when the altar call comes? Well, he may not ask me to do it again, but 
Why is it that I, myself, and I've done this, feel that uh, on a Wednesday night it's just another Wednesday night? Well, I'm going to tell you when I was preparing for this and God started dealing with me, I realized it's not just another Wednesday night. I'm responsible for speaking to a people that God has in the palm of His hands who has a shepherd over them, and he's asked me to talk to you. All I can tell you is about my experience as I walked in to some of these services. You see, Bishop, when we first moved here, he came to me, and he said, Brother Harvey, I'm thinking, this is it. Yeah, he's got something for me. What does he want me to do? You know what he said? I want you to sit for a year. I want you to heal up. Then after a year, we'll talk. I kind of busted my bubble. I come from pastoring, bivocational pastor, working, pastoring, CR at our church, prayer meetings, events with the district, to sitting on a pew at the Life Church, healing up. I took full advantage of that, I'll just tell you. As I, I, I thought, okay, I'll invest in my new job. As an HR director, we'll invest into it. We'll learn all the laws of Missouri or Kansas, where we were first at. I, was, I, I invested into that. I put my time in my family trying to patch up some of the stuff that I had done years ago. CRO calls you to do that. Amen. So I, I started coming into the service, not really getting involved because I'm just sitting I was told to sit. So I was like a jellyfish wandering around with the waves, just blasé, just nonchalant, moderate, not on fire for God, losing sight of the fact that I still had a calling to reach the lost. It, it's not something that happens like that. It's gradual. You come in, you allow one service, and you're on your text, you're on your phone. I don't know how people post on Facebook during church services, I'm not that talented. But that happens. I preached, I was preaching at church one time and got out of church and my wife said, look here, it was a lady in our church while I was preaching, was posted on Facebook. Okay, that tells me that you're in spiritual apathy. Because every message that is preached across the pulpit is meant not only for those that are lost. It's for reproof. It's for edification, and we need every word that's preached. I, I can't make it on the fields of worship, and we have good worship. We have great worship. We have great music. We have great talent. I can't just go by the fields. The fields go away, and I find myself lonely, and I find myself in trouble spiritually because I've let things in. I've turned on more entertainment. I've got my phone every day in my hand. All the while, the, the spiritual feelers I've had out when I can recognize a person that was possessed or a person that was hurting or a person that needed God, I now was wondering when the preacher would be done. Come on. I'll give you some proof. What was the last message preached in here before today? Say it. Yes. What was preached last Wednesday night? What about the armor? 
The armor of God keeps us safe. See, only a few of us can answer that. And some of you struggle because you thought, am I getting old? Am I losing? Am I getting dementia? Come, what is it? No, it's because sometimes we come in here and we don't pay full attention to what God has in store for us. And I, I'm just speaking from my experience. It all started changing right around summer revival. Summer revival came, and I realized what I was in because it came to me, Brother Bennett. It came to me while I was praying. I was praying about CR. God, how can we grow this ministry? How can we get this out in the public? How can we do this? How can we do that? Give me some wisdom. Help me understand. And it came to me, quit praying about your ministry and pray that you know the one who created that ministry. And so I, I said, okay. And so I started praying. I started turning it all off. And I sought God and I asked God, whatever it is. See, sometimes building a ministry is great. It is. I'm all for it. But when you put more effort in the ministry, in that ministry, than you put into knowing God for who he is, we think we know him. Do we really know who he is, the one that's holding the book? And the lamb that was slain reached over there out of his hand and grabbed the book, and he opened it. Do we really know him? We know of him a lot. Have we sought him with our whole heart to find out who he is? I don't care about the ministry. I do, but not in that aspect. I care about him. I want to know Him. I want to know what He has in store. It's any wonder that uh, the phrase, ears to hear, was used eight times by Jesus. He that hath an ear, let him hear eight times. Be vigilant twice. Be sober-minded once by the Apostle Paul addressing Titus. Twelve times the word sober is mentioned in the New Testament. The term sober literally means, sober-minded literally means free from intoxicating influences. We speak of a person that's drunk or on alcohol. Well, that's what we automatically think. But if we've allowed things to come into our mind, our favorite binge watch Come on, let's get real. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, you want to know why people can come in here, why your pastor can engage in spiritual welfare almost every service? You know why he recognizes it? Do you know why certain people that walk among us know what's going on in the spirit world? Read this scripture with me. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. What are you saying, Brother Harvey? I'm saying as day one comes by and you've allowed yourself to text your job. Day, service two comes along and you've allowed yourself to say, I don't really need this. I'm kind of tired. I don't need to even go to service tonight. And you use every 
excuse you have to justify why we miss services, why we walk out early on services. Come on, I'm just being real. I'm telling you my experience. Because when summer revival came, I made up my mind to change. I made up my mind to set it all aside. I didn't look at Facebook. I didn't watch a ball game. I didn't watch a fight, and I love them. There's something about two men beating each other up that I just really like. And all those that have been to my house for fight night say amen. Walk in the spirit and not in the flesh and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Emphasis on walk in the spirit. He walks in the spirit. Prayer. So we do this. I'm just telling you my experience. You, I know all of you saved people never go through this. You've got, you got something extra going on at your job. And, and so you decide to get up early because your intention is to go ahead and do your devotion before you go. And you wake up and say, well, I'm tired. I think I'm just going to get ready for work. And your job becomes important, the most important thing in your life. Or family, and i got a beautiful family. Y'all seen the pictures, right? Huh? Y'all seen the pictures? I got two good-looking grandkids, better than anybody's on the earth. <clears throat> you ought to feel that way if you don't. A more broad statement of bride-minded, uh, broad, uh, sober-minded is do not allow ourselves to be captivated by any type of influence that would lead us away from sound judgment or making good decisions. It's not a good decision to walk out when the altar call comes. If you feel like you don't need anything, get to the altar. I guess you'll find out you might need something. Amen. Uh, in studying these, I found some old notes of mine. I preached a message uh, concerning apathy on 6-19-2018 to our church. Apparently, this is where we needed to be. I'll share them with you. It's not the big three. You need to fast more. You need to pray more. You need to study more. That's evident. We're all aware of that. Here's what I wrote. Decline. These are seven symptoms of early spiritual apathy. Your decline in attendance. Your lack of concern for souls. Lack of participation in congregational activity. Indifference to the need of others. No pastoral contact. Declining concern for missions. And failure to invest in the next generation. I, I think God wants some of us to be like the men of Issachar. As a matter of fact, I know He does. Everybody know about the men of Issachar? Here's what the Bible says. Of the sons of Issachar who had the understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. You've probably read that Scripture, heard that Scripture. Here's what I say to you tonight. We know and understand the times right now. 
I want to ask you a question. When you realized that Israel was in war, did you just pass it off as another dust-up between the Palestinians and Israel? Uh, that's their thing. Or did something check your spirit and say, Oh, mercy, I need to get a hold of God. We pray for signs and we, we want to know what's going to happen. Well, when Israel's in trouble, you better beware. And by the way, when there's just little dust up and there's no war, there's no need for somebody to come in and bring peace. The stage is set. We know the situation is, we know what's going on around us. We know the battle between good and evil right now, where seemingly evil is winning and calling good evil. Huh? They're preaching trash to our, they're teaching trash to our children in our schools. We know all of that. We're aware of that. We know what's happening in this world. We know what's going down. We know it's a battle between evil and the angelic spiritual world. If we could see into that realm, we would understand we need to become more aware and sober ourselves. Peter had a little bit of experience in this. I wonder, as Peter wrote these words in his book, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. He wrote, be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Be sober and vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, has a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. I wonder when he wrote these words, did he have in the back of his mind when Jesus said, James, Peter, James, and John, you come with me a little further in the garden. And when Jesus came back and he seen him asleep, guess who he named? He said, Peter, can you pray with me but one hour? He didn't name James and John to either account. Look at it. He said, Peter. I wonder in his writing of this to those that were scattered abroad, his admonishment to be sober and aware of the times and the things going on in our life. How, Brother Harvey, do we get out of this? I've already alluded to the one thing that I've done. I turned off all those outside influences. I'm going to give you four or five things because i got to hurry. The children, the men of Issachar, knew the times. We know the times, but I'm going to ask you the question. Do you know how to live in those times? See, they knew what to do because of wisdom and understanding. And you and I need to fall on our face these days and ask God for the understanding. If you're finding yourself in any of these categories, we can name 50 things, symptoms of apathy. I'm telling you how I did it. I turned it all off. I set it aside. And I had specific prayer. I don't mean prayer in my devotion. I mean prayer out of the ordinary times. I added the Word of God to my life. Not just the Word of God that I read in my daily devotion. I started seeking God for answers. There were things I was going through, and I become aware of them only because God made me aware. 
and I started seeking after God, and I put prayer. Those are the three. I didn't fast. I wanted to fast. I didn't fast like 24-7, seven days a week. I took out coffee. And I decided I was going to do this. I'm getting involved. I'm a member of the hospitality team. That don't mean anything to you. But you know what? I'm involved in the work of God. I want, I'm not bragging, trust me. And the one thing I'm trying to get very close that I want to admonish first tonight, right here. Five of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, God had a problem with. And you know what he told them to do? You've allowed idols. You've allowed this Jezebel in the church. You've left your first love. You know what he told them to do? Repent. As a deer hunter... And some of you that love deer hunting like me and Jerrod does, occasionally you shoot a deer and you don't kill it. You wound it. And so you follow a blood trail. And you get to a point somewhere along there, unless you've really got a good hit, you get to a point you lose the blood. And you, have, you are aware of the surroundings. You know the terrain. The creek's over here. The main trail's over here. The, the bedding area is over there. And you, and you just look around and you search. That's how I was. I was searching. What do I do, God? Why am I feeling these feelings? Why am I, why do I, why am I going through this? But any good deer hunter, when he loses the trail and he can't find that deer, and you do your circles over here, and you do your circles over here, and you do your circles over here, do your circles over here, you lost the blood back there. You go back to where you last saw blood. And you stick a marker in the ground. You tie one of those orange little markers on it. And you can go anywhere out there. Because when you get lost and you can't find your way, you can always look back and spot that marker. That's where I last saw blood. That's what repentance is. It's a place that you'll go back tonight when the altar calls if they'll come on up to the music. Tonight, a recommitment to God. If, if, if you're in this category anywhere, if you've, your senses are dulled and, and Israel's plight did not affect you and altar calls don't bother you when you leave the same way you come in, thinking you've got it all together. If your cell phone activity is more important than your prayer life, you need to spot that last place that you saw blood. God is looking for somebody that'll get spiritually aware, that'll start at an altar tonight. If you'll come up, if you'll stand and come up, I feel it. I don't know if you feel it. I feel like a burning in my chest. I've had to repent just studying for this message. Oh God, if there's anything, anything that would cause me to divert my attention from you and this life with you and this thing I'm supposed to do. I, ministries are great, but my calling is telling somebody else about Him. 
if you feel it, reach out to him today. It starts right here, one step. It'll take a little time. Add some more to your life. Add more God in your life. Turn off all those outside influences. If, if, if family is negative or a brother or sister in a church is negative and all they have to do and say is complain about the music, complain about the preacher, complain about the members of the church, separate yourself from them and move yourself into a place where God can bring you back into His bosom and fulfill the calling in your life of reaching the law, of reaching out and saving some from the fire. Oh, God, help us. Help us, Father. I'm sorry, Lord, if anything has gotten in my way. Uh, my senses have been dulled. I, I'm not aware in the Spirit, Lord. I need you. Forgive me. Search my heart, O oh God. Search my soul, O oh God. Help me. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.